Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone with an interest in child health. I'm Hannah Davis, a paediatric trainee in Wales and a member of the Dragon Bites team. This week we have another wonderful instalment from Professor Uzun and our very own Asim Javed, talking about patent ductus arteriosus. Let's get started. Right, um, hello again Professor Uzun. Hello, how are you Asim? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very well. I've heard you've had a busy day today already. It was indeed. Yeah. Thank you for waiting. No, thank you for joining us despite the fact that you've had a busy day. I found out for the first time today that you don't have lunch, you just skip it all together. I do. You do. When you come to my age perhaps you might do the same, who knows. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Enjoy what your stomach dictates you to do when you're young. Enjoy your food. Fair enough. Now food for thought. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about what is the topic I thought was patent ductus arteriosus That's right, and yeah. AP window. That's is that right. correct? Mm-hmm. And we decided to leave aviceptal defect after this recording because aviceptal defect will take at least an hour yeah. discussion. Exactly. It's a quite major um, topic to discuss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shall I start with defining? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that sounds like a good place. So, to patent ductus arteriosus, as you know, it's one of the three fetal communications. Let me tell you two of them, mm-hmm. and you tell me the third one. Mm-hmm. One is ductus venosus, mm-hmm. which provides communication between the umbilical vein and the inferior vena cava. Mm-hmm. Second one is foramen ovale provides communication between right atrium and the left atrium. Mm-hmm. And the third one is... Well, I assume ductus arteriosus by default. <laughs> exactly. So three structures, they are destined to close. And the ductus, ductus arteriosus is a tubular structure connecting pulmonary artery to the descending aorta. Mm-hmm. Its joining point is either between the two branch pulmonary arteries or lateral to the left pulmonary artery. Mm-hmm. In the other end, attaches to the uh, aortic isthmus, opposite to the origin of left subclavian artery. Mm-hmm. So its role is to divert right ventricular output to the descending aorta and placenta, which is oxygen poor blood to pick up oxygen from the placenta in antenatal life. Mm-hmm. It is kept open by mother's enzyme or hormone, prostin, but after birth it's destined to close spontaneously due to excessive amount of oxygen being inhaled by the baby plus lack of prostin in combination. Mm-hmm. They trigger ductal closure, initial functional and anatomical closure. If it stays open after birth, then shunt becomes reversed from the left side, descending aorta, oxygenated blood goes into the ductus, through the duct, into the pulmonary artery and to lungs, so left to right shunt. So pink blood moves into the right-sided circulation, blue blood. Do we call this abnormal if it is open in a newborn baby? No, not initially. Exactly. So when it becomes abnormal, beyond three months of life, if the ductus arteriosus did not close, we call this patent ductus arteriosus. This is 
by default. So functionally it should close or should become very small, but beyond three months of age, if it did not close, it becomes an abnormality. Mm -hmm. Do you think it is quite common in certain age groups? Yeah, well, so I, I remember coming across patent ductus arteriosus quite commonly when working on the neonatal unit where we've got a large number of preterm uh, newborns. Correct, correct. So in preterm newborns, uh, you see it more often. In um, 5 to 10 percent of congenital heart disease will um, be made by a patent ductus arteriosus. If you take 100 babies with congenital heart disease and 5 to 10 percent of them, depending on the gestation and the gender, it is more common in females, mm. less common in males. It's um, male to female ratio, one to three. Mm. So three times more than it is seen in female population. Mm. So preterm babies, about half of them will have ductus arteriosus if they are less than 25 weeks. Mm -hmm. Beyond 25 to 26 weeks, after 32 weeks, it's about between 10 and 30 percent will have it. Mm -hmm. And um, beyond um, 32 weeks to 36 weeks, perhaps the um, incidence drops to 5 percent. And uh, about um, 40 weeks of gestation and term babies. At birth, it will be present in most babies, but within 24 hours, maximum in three days, if not um, three days, five days it would have closed in majority of patients. Only, I would say, less than 0.5% um, would remain open mm -hmm. in normal population. Right. So patent ductus arteriosus is a normal structure. It becomes abnormal if it remains open beyond three months of age. That's what we need to know. What it comes down to. What's really interesting there, though, is you mentioned that most, in almost all cases, it seems like it closes within a few days. But the actual definition for patent ductus arteriosus is beyond three months. So that's a huge window which Correct. we've left people. Is there a reason for that? Correct. Similar to foramen ovale, mm. that is the anatomical closure. Mm. Because ductus arteriosus may be functionally closed, but anatomically it may not have been sealed properly, mm. like foramen ovale. Foramen ovale functional closure occurs within the first few days of life. But anatomically, the primum septum and the upper portion of the secundum septum mm -hmm. may not be fused anatomically and glued together. Right. And that's why we um, put this anatomical definition um, by the previous concept of learning, previous teaching of uh, eminent pathologists and clinicians. That's how they defined it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we, from the autopsy studies, we know that it takes up to three months for the anatomical uh, gluing or fixation occur. Mm -hmm. That is the reason we put that. Excellent. Okay, thank you. That really um, helps Karen. Do we that. call PDA normal in a symptomatic child less than three months of age? No. Mm. This is still pathological. Mm. Um, my um, point of three months, what we call it three months of age, for ductus to remain open and cause and no problem, mm. it is pathological. Mm -hmm. The ductus is open and causing problem be before three months of age, still abnormal. Mm -hmm. So we don't call that normality. Sure. But there is still a chance for it to get smaller mm -hmm. after three months of age. Right. But beyond three months of age, it's exceedingly unlikely for the duct to get smaller. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. I hope it clarifies that. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. Thank you. And now, 
when we talk about um, what it is, when we talk about its function, its function, as, as we mentioned, to divert right ventricular output. So right ventricle contributes 60% of cardiac output in fetal life, mm -hmm. as opposed to 50% postnatal life, of which 10% goes to the lungs. And 50% of RV output bypasses the lungs through the ductus down to the descending aorta. Mm -hmm. And that is going to pick up oxygen from the placenta and will come back to the left side. Mm -hmm. So its role is to work like a bypass machine mm -hmm. and to convey the oxygenated blood to the placenta, which serves as baby's lungs. Mm -hmm. Postnatally, of course, the chant is reversed. There is no placenta. Lungs are working. Hence, the lung pressures are lower and the systemic pressures are higher. Mm -hmm. And the discrepancy between the two is massive. Mm. So 10 average lung pressure or RV or pulmonary artery pressure and the systemic pressure over 70, 80 and up to 90 in newborn babies. Mm. So 90 and 10, there is 80 millimeter of mercury pressure gap. And hence, the circulation will be moving from left to right. Mm -hmm. And it's um, that's why we call it left to right shunt following birth. Mm -hmm. Does it cause also right to left shunt? Uh, so it can do in certain circumstances. So if you have persistent hypertension of the newborn, uh, pulmonary hypertension of the newborn, exactly. then you'll have ongoing high pressures in, in the lung field. So exactly. you could still have a right to left shunt. Brilliant. And how about in patients who had ductus arteriosus and the shunt initially was left to right and uh, it baby wasn't picked, um, picked on earlier mm -hmm. uh, and baby is now one year old mm -hmm. and very scrawny, a faltering growth and uh, mum said always had frequent chest infections and breathless and the child comes to you. Would you expect in this child um, a little bit cyanosis, a little bit clubbing and uh, right to left shunt perhaps? Yeah, because I suppose with ongoing with that ongoing initial left to right shunting that puts increased pressure on the right side of the heart and into the pulmonary vasculature. So that might end up increasing resistance that side eventually, yes. leading to a reverse of the shunting. What is it called? There's a name for Eisenmenger? it. Wonderful. Eisenmenger syndrome. That's mm. brilliant. So the Eisenmenger syndrome can occur in patients with ductus arteriosus, then the shunt may become right to left or bidirectional. Mm. Sometimes it can happen earlier on, especially in babies who have um, upper airway obstruction, obstructive sleep apnea, tonsil, large tonsils or airway problems. So in those babies, sometimes pressures inside the lungs may appear elevated. Mm. Then you shouldn't jump to conclusion to the conclusion that this baby has established pulmonary tension. Mm. And in those babies, you should have open mind and exclude reversible causes of pulmonary tension, such as obstructive sleep apnea and nasal obstruction, lung pathologies. Mm. It would relieve distress um, in the parents as well as in medical in the medical professionals that this PDA is amenable to surgery or surgical ligation.
mm. and Eisenmenger syndrome has not developed in these babies, but it may mimic it. Mm -hmm. However, in those babies, you wouldn't have seen clubbing. Right. Clubbing to occur, you need at least six months. Um, and in fact, most often it doesn't occur below sort of 12 months of age. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to remember. Sometimes you can see bidirectional shunting or right to left shunting, even in small babies, with other pathologies. Mm -hmm. So a baby with PDA at birth would have some subtle signs and symptoms, um, maybe total asymptomatic mm -hmm. when you look at the baby, depending on the size of the ductus, one, depending on the magnitude of shunt, and depending on the pulmonary vascular resistance. Mm. Like in VSD, yeah. when the PVR drops, pulmonary vascular resistance, then the left to right shunt will increase and they will become breathless. Mm. Do you remember when PVR starts dropping and normalizes at what week of gestation? Uh, sorry, what week of age after birth? First oh. week? Second week? No, I think we're looking a few weeks old, aren't we? So isn't it from three weeks plus that you start normalizing? Shouldn't be more than three weeks. Okay. Usually within a week, majority of babies, in the majority of babies, PVR would drop to normal. Oh, right, okay. In um, other um, percentage, small percentage of babies, it may extend up to two weeks. Mm -hmm. Beyond three weeks, if the PVR did not drop, you should be worried about it. Mm -hmm. So those babies become symptomatic within the first two, three weeks of life. Mm -hmm. So um, some babies second weeks and some babies third week. Um, some babies, of course, maybe later, if the size of the duct is not big. Right. So as I said, there are a few factors there. Mm -hmm. So if the duct is small, what sort of murmur you would anticipate in these babies? So I suppose if it's a small duct, wouldn't you get, would you get quite a harsh murmur? Probably you would get uh, ejection systolic murmur mm. uh, or systolic murmur um, if it is small duct mm. and diastolic component would be very faint mm. even if you had the diastolic flow. If the duct is slightly bigger mm. then the flow is higher and you might be able to get bidirectional, not bidirectional, continuous I meant, I yeah. apologize, continuous flow and therefore you might get good going systolic and diastolic murmur. Mm. If the duct is too big and babies develop pulmonary tension, then the murmur may be just systolic and you may hear this time a loud second heart sound as it was mentioned in VSD patients and other left to right shunts. Mm -hmm. Similar pathologies. Yeah. If the duct is not causing pulmonary tension but congestive heart failure due to excessive flow, high velocity jet, low PVR, high volume blood, so resulting in congestive heart failure. Yeah. In those babies, you hear a typical murmur. Mm -hmm. There is a name for it. So would this be the machinery murmur? Wonderful, absolutely. Once you hear that machine in a murmur, you would never forget that. Mm -hmm. Typically, that murmur is below the clavicle. Mm. Because remember, duct extends from anterior pulmonary artery backwards to the aorta. Mm -hmm. Hence moves to the left side, mm. so along the clavicle, so below the clavicle, towards left from the pulmonary focus, mm. so under the clavicle, subclavicular region mm. is the typical region for ductal flow. Mm -hmm. 
sometime you may hear it at the back mm -hmm. and so you should listen to that area too in my view so murmur is typical in babies with obvious and large duct with um, continuous flow high flow high velocity no pulmonary hypertension mm -hmm. so you only see and um, these babies with failure to thrive um, breathlessness congestive heart failure but if the baby doesn't have congestive heart failure has um, um, balloonus or uh, murmur is just systolic then um, you can assume that the duct is still big mm -hmm. and diastolic component is probably low velocity as a result of very little pressure difference between pulmonary pressure and the systemic pressure mm -hmm. and hence hearing just systolic murmur and quieter shouldn't suggest automatically this is a mild lesion mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying to get at yeah uh, the louder the murmur um, narrower the ductus arteriosus if you hear loud murmur in systole and diastole and the baby is also breathless with intercostal recessions that indicates not only the size is big but also amount of shunt going through is important mm. and the speed of blood going through the duct is also quite high mm. so you need to have all these combinations yes. so baby has small duct and the murmur could be only systolic mm -hmm. and the systolic murmur may be faint if the duct is silent duct you may not hear any murmur so we call that silent duct mm -hmm. it is only visible on echocardiogram yeah as a trace of color but no murmur if you hear a murmur and you can see the duct on echocardiogram and you call this small duct mm -hmm. you don't call it silent duct sure if the duct gives you diastolic murmur starts giving diastolic murmur it indicates that the size is big enough and the blood push through the duct is important mm. so if you start hearing systolic and diastolic you stepping into another territory yeah the duct is becoming clinically relevant mm. important so systolic murmur alone may not suggest very big murmur very big ductus very big lesion mm -hmm. depends on the harshness if the murmur is loud harsh and babies having also failure to thrive feeding difficulty obviously systolic murmur alone may suffice to say this is an important duct mm -hmm. because diastolic components sometimes may not be appreciated by an in inexperienced person yeah or due to various reasons you may not be able to hear it mm -hmm. if your stethoscope is not very good if baby's chest for some reason uh, has some other pathologies fat tissue whatever or has got some lung lung um, inflammation you may not be able to appreciate the diastolic murmur mm. and if you move to the fourth category where there is um, reversal of shunt systolic murmur not loud this time just um, fairly easily audible but there is also loud second heart sound now you're stepping onto more dangerous zone yeah so there are four steps sure um, can you tell me the four steps again no so, murmur so no murmur but visible on echocardiogram so that's a silent no. duct then you've got a small duct which we, where you can hear a murmur 
but it's but when you check it on an echo it's quite a small flow from it then you've got a more significant duct where you've got both systolic and diastolic sounds um, which shows that they, you're now entering a realm where it might be pathologically significant um, and then finally you can have a really large duct where you might only just get a systolic component um, and even though the murmur might be quieter that might actually be a reflection of how large the duct is excellent excellent brilliant absolutely wonderful so these babies um sometimes that love systolic murmur without diastolic component again as i said may fall into an important category mm. as we mentioned because the uh, observing individual or examining individual may not be able to appreciate diastolic murmur yeah so lack of diastolic murmur should not mislead you as mm. if this is not an important duct sure remember but before we went into um straight into examination mm. um, but beforehand uh, auscultation beforehand we need to look at and observe the child mm. on observation what do you expect from these babies in those four categories mm. So I suppose in maybe at the less significant end of it, they might be completely symptomless. Perfect. Yeah. Um, then perhaps you might be looking at uh, uh, probably a lot of what we discussed with VSDs. Correct. So, what are they then? Um, breathlessness. Good. I remember difficulty feeding. Excellent. And then in the long run, you know, poor growth and poor weight gain. Excellent. And how about feeding? Shall we elaborate on that again? Yeah. Just recap. Just to recap, I think that the the key things we found with feed is you know if they're breastfeeding. They have very short latch times, lots of stopping between feeds if it, because they and they find that the work of breathing goes up during a feed. They might become really sleepy post feed because they're getting very tired. If they're bottle fed, you find that they're fe feeding very small volumes, never able to finish a bottle, Fantastic. things like that. Absolutely wonderful. So this is just the recap of what we said before. Yeah. Repetition is important part of learning process. Mm. Excellent. How about when we observe the child what sort of um, findings you would notice on their ribs mm. on their um, Harrison sulcus under the so would you see any intercostal recessions yeah so I mean if it's significant enough and they're getting enough breathlessness from from it then yeah you'd get um, subcostal recessions intercostal recessions tracheal tug you could get grunting head bobbing nasal flaring excellent all these um, usual common signs but any left to right significant left to right chance mm. absolutely brilliant how about diastolic murmur so we mentioned about significant left to right chance causing left atrial dilatation mm. huge pulmonary venous return coming to the left atrium mm. but the mitral valve orifice is same size and the left ventricle is receiving quite significant amount of blood um, end with high flow. Mm. What sort of murmur would that generate in addition to ductal murmur if you listen to the apex? So would that be a, a rumbling murmur? Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> what a fantastic remembering. <laughs> so we call it systolic rumble or diastolic rumble? Diastolic. Wonderful. Round of applause. Brilliant. Diastolic rumble. And if you hear diastolic rumble, always remember um, Asim and Dr. Zun <laughs> because once you hear that it means that your ears now are beautifully programmed to hear even something. one day i hope to hear it so as i can we should all hope <laughs> we should all hope yeah um and uh, how about um pulses and the precordium what do you expect in these babies so they probably have a very Active, particularly if it's an active duct they'd have a very active precordium, precordium. wonderful um and then pulses 
Would they ha have particularly full pulses? Wonderful. What we call it? Um, bounding. Bounding pulses. Mm. What is the mechanism of bounding pulses? This, it's because there's this wide pulse pressure, isn't Excellent there? Excellent yeah. pressure gap. Systolic pressure is high, mm. diastolic pressure is lower. Why? Because of the of the shunting during diastolic the diastolic process. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. I don't know why we're doing this um, um, podcast. <laughs> you could do it yourself. I don't oh, know far from, you that's far from the case. I'm only getting these answers because you're leading me to uh, them, Professor. Um, you're very modest. Okay. Uh, excellent. So you must make sure before you put your stethoscope, if you have not reached the diagnosis with 50% certainty, go back and repeat what you have done. So feel the pulses, feel the chest, look at baby's development, examine the child from top to toe, and also put them together with patient's history. And if you couldn't make the diagnosis 50%, that you are going to listen and hear continuous murmur in the subclavicular area, then you should go back. Mm -hmm. So that is my advice to you. Mm -hmm. You've got to channel yourself into those four categories I mentioned to you. Four, in fact, there are five reasons, but what I said to you, there are three and a half reasons, or we call it four reasons. But I, I um, in my opinion, five categories of breathlessness in children. One, Left-sided obstructions, coarctation, aortic stenosis, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, whatever. Mm -hmm. That is, those are more common within the first two weeks. Beyond two weeks when PVR drops, then left to right shunts. Mm -hmm. Well child, or pink child, breathless, then you need to think of VST, PDA, AP window, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the third cause, what we said, is a primary myocardial problems, mm -hmm. cardiomyopathy, myocardial infarction, ischemia, um, so on. And the half the cause, or the fourth cause, total anomalous pulmonary venous drainage, which is left to right shunt, but then right to left shunt, um, with obstruction. Mm -hmm. And those babies would look blue as well as breathless, but they can be as pink as 97% saturated. Wow. TAPVD. And the fifth cause is tachycardias, arrhythmias. Mm. So in these babies, we examine, history didn't suggest any arrhythmia, and the baby is not blue, and the pulses are bounding, precordium is active, so it's telling you left to right shunt. Then you're going to um, think, I will hear either a pansystolic murmur, or I will hear a continuous murmur below the clavicle. Mm. You must say that to yourself. Yeah. So you heard the machinery type murmur, and you almost certainly. Then you want to make sure that you completed all the examination investigations. You will order a chest x-ray mm -hmm. and ECG. Mm -hmm. Pace yourself. We have our second part of the patent ductus arteriosus talk to follow next week. Thanks again to our speaker, Professor Uzin, and thanks to you for listening. Mm -hmm.